Hi, heathens. Hi, friends. I'm excited for you to hear today's conversation. This episode means a lot to me um, because uh, it's a conversation with my siblings. It's a conversation with my sister Amy and my brother Clark. We were all in San Diego together for the first time ever. Um, they've, we've never all been together in this city. Um, and I, I, I've wanted to have this conversation for a while um, in this context, in the context of heathen, because, um, well, we share so much with our siblings. We share... We have, we, at least with siblings that we, we grow up under the same roof with, um, you know, there's so much commonality in our experiences and yet, <laughs> and yet, uh, quite a fair bit of difference as well as we really get into in this conversation. I'm just so proud of both of my siblings, um, and I hope that doesn't come across in a condescending way, like, I don't know, arrogant older brother way. <laughs> um, but I'm just genuinely, I just finished uh, re-listening to the conversation and editing it and putting it all together. And you guys and gals and beautiful non-binary people, I'm, I'm uh, super blown away at who my sister and my brother have grown up to become. Um, the insights that they give me in this conversation that you are going to get as well. Um, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited that the fruits of their labors and y'all it's labor, the stuff that they have gone through to, come out of their pain and their trauma and find the other side, uh, find on the other side, a life, a, a full and gorgeous and just scintillating, shimmering, beautiful life for each of them that looks so different, um, for, for each of them. It's just, well, I just can't wait. I can't wait. So why am I talking about it? I should just let you get into the conversation. So let's do that. Um, but my, my, my huge thanks, my huge thanks to Amy and Clark um, for taking time on their vacation to San Diego to uh, shed some tears, shed, share a few laughs, uh, and just do this insanely deep dive into our shared history and also their personal stories and their journeys. It's so beautiful. It's so good. Three housekeeping things uh, before we get to the conversation, though. Um, first is easy. Uh, the Facebook group. We have a secret Facebook group. If, if you're newer to the podcast, you might not have heard us talk about it recently. It's called The Heathen Huddle. And you are invited to join. Um, it's just for anybody who listens to the podcast and wants to have conversations with other folks listening to the podcast in a space that is private and safe. Um, so we have just a couple little ground rules in there. Um, and it's, it's just a handful of people who, who, who get to share, share links that they want to talk about, uh, talk about the episodes, 
Um, and it's a really great place. So to get in the huddle, all you got to do is shoot me an email, send me an email with, um, your email address that is associated with your Facebook account and we will invite you that way. So, uh, just shoot that to askheathen at gmail.com. That's number one. Number two is the heathen haberdashery, the so, uh, delightfully, whimsically named uh, store, our merch store that Karen worked really hard on uh, putting together. So um, that is up and running now. We've got all kinds of shirts and mugs and phone cases and tote bags and like a baby onesie and just some really great stuff uh, with some of our favorite um, thoughts, uh, phrases, one-liners, things that have come out of the conversations on Heathen. And they make for really interesting apparel that I think you might like wearing. Um, also, we I haven't talked with Karen about this yet, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think we're going to extend the... Um, we, we, we're Right now, because we just launched the store, we are donating 100% of our proceeds, any profits that we make, Um, to a 12-bed immigrant refugee shelter here in San Diego. Um, It's it's a a shelter for folks who are in the immigration system, um, would otherwise be in ICE detention centers. Um, They're they're being released to this shelter that is being managed and run by a couple different organizations and churches here that are are in San Diego that are coming together to make this happen. And it's really beautiful. Um, I've been seeing stories and hearing stories out of the shelter. It it just, just launched this past week. So um, we are donating just everything that comes in uh, for this first couple weeks of the store being open. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and extend that for another week. I really don't think Karen will mind. So if you haven't had a chance yet to get into the haberdashery, and find your favorite new t-shirt, do that, and know that you're doing some good. Um, Lastly, what was my third housekeeping thing? Oh, I think it was just to say that Karen uh, is absent from this episode. We miss her deeply. Um, But this is one I wanted to do with uh, my siblings. I've kind of been thinking about doing this uh, since I started the podcast. Uh, I really wanted to have this conversation. So it just, for me, made sense uh, to just do this while we were all here in our house together late at night. Actually, the conversation happened um, over the course of a weekend. We kind of pulled away and came back to it a couple times because it was heavy. It gets really heavy. There's some stuff there. So well, we're talking about a lot of trauma and heavy stuff. There's no like specific triggers, I don't think, um, that I need to warn you about. But just uh, settle in. Settle in. It's It's some really good stuff. So... We miss Karen, uh, but she will be back next week. Oh, uh, one more thing. The music uh, in the transitions in today's episode is from an album called Hymns to the Earth uh, by Jenny Sluter and also Clark Williams, who is my brother, who is featured in this episode. So uh, if you're interested in hearing more of that beautiful music, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So Thank you, Jenny and Clark, for letting us use your songs in this episode. Thank you, friends, for hanging out with us on this, as always. It's so good to be with you, even though we're just with each other virtually. It still feels like something meaningful to me. So I appreciate you being a part of this community. Okay, let's dive in.
spiritual conversations for the godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Welcome to another episode. I'm so excited for this week because I'm having a conversation that I've been looking forward to having really since I started the podcast. Um, When I first started this thing, you guys know, I didn't know what I was doing or why I was doing it. I just knew I wanted to have these conversations. I need, I needed to talk about it. This was for me. Like it was very much a, I'm an external processor and I got so much stuff that I've corked up for years and years and I need to get it out. And this seemed like a way to do it because I was, I had, you know, recently become obsessed with podcasts and still am. So, um, One of the conversations that I was immediately excited to have was um, with my family. I I wanted to to talk with family members about the stuff that we've all gone through together. And right now, I have in the room with me two people who are those family members. And um, the I can't remember. Well, I guess never. We've all three of my siblings have never been in San Diego at the same time. I've lived here 13 years, and this is the first time that's happened. So, of course, I'm capitalizing on the moment, and we're going to talk to my siblings, and it's going to be amazing and wonderful and great. So, hi, Amy and Clark. No pressure. (laughs) Hi. We're all the pressure. Hi. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, heathens. Hi, heathens. Yay. Uh, you guys are both, from what I seem to gather, avid listeners of the podcast. Only two episodes behind, so pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. I, I think I'm two or three. Yeah. I'm oh like, tied. <laughs> I'm like ten episodes behind on all my favorite podcasts, so. <laughs> I listen to too many. That's part of the problem. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just this one? No, I listen to a few, but I have quite a vetting process. Oh, to listen do? to podcasts. How, what is it? How do you um, How do you decide? Because my time's so limited and I, I want to learn things. I want to be stimulated and I want growth. And so basically I will listen to one until it stops being that for mm. me. And it's, sometimes I revisit them and they come back in the cycle. But yeah, yeah this one is just ever present and ever relevant because I'm just working on all this stuff right now. So Aww. it's like, I, I mean, I would, I would <laughs> listen to it. I would actually listen to it if it weren't yours. <laughs> Well, that's very yeah. kind of you. But also yeah. that means that once it stops helping you, you're like, bye. Bye. <laughs> I'll probably tell you, but it might not. Who knows? You, you can know, tell it's, it's just, totally fine. it just depends on how long our lives are like parallel. Yeah. And how long we, have, we share any kind of connection. You know, right. Whatsoever. I mean, so it's probably not going to last long. <laughs> All right. Um, you guys both know how this works. I ask my guests to introduce themselves. And Clark, since you're already talking and we're already learning a bit about your vetting process... I told you no mouth noises. <laughs> so gross. Um, I have an excited mouth noise. That's oh, what that is. Good. Well, let's hear. Who are you, Clark? You get to be who you want to be and tell folks as much or as little as you like about the person on the other side of the microphone tonight. Bum, bum, bum. Um, okay, well... I don't like. I've, I I want to say that I've given thought to how I'm going to introduce myself, but I haven't. That's fine. Really, you don't. That's not a requirement. Okay, that's, that's good. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I I do stuff. I do things. 
I I don't think of myself as like much related to my hobbies lately. Mm-hmm. I used to just describe myself as, you know, I'm a Libra with blah 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 blah, and and then I changed my type of astrology and like uprooted my whole identity, and now I'm like this Virgo, and so it kind of runs parallel to the way that I see myself right now, which is I don't fucking know, mm. and I'm not. I'm not really interested in in the boxes and the labels right now um, because I'm more interested in trying to be in my body. So that kind of is the main thing for me. I'm dealing with trauma from my Christian upbringing and I want to let that go. And the big step that I'm at is how do I be in my body and present and I don't know how to do that really. Mm. But it's fun trying, sort of, slash shameful in some other ways. Mm. Um, that's that's kind of, I guess, the closest thing I could say where, where my identity is being centered around is presence. Mm. Um, which means being more in touch with emotions um, and compassion and doing the right thing. Those Those are three key things for me right now. Emotions, compassion, and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. That's it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Why don't you talk? Pivot, pivot to sister. <laughs> By the way, you guys, uh, heathens, if you can't tell yet, I'm the eldest and I'm super bossy when it comes to <laughs> being in the family dynamic. I'm going to try to rein that in, but it, you know, it comes We out. can co- talk about the trauma we received from that. Yeah, you can, you are absolutely no. welcome. To talk about your elder brother-induced trauma, because I'm sure it's there. We don't want to make him cry. Why? A couple times <laughs> I've cried on the podcast. That might be entertaining. Mm, for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to deal with the shame and the guilt. And <laughs> He's trying to do the right thing and be compassionate. And... <laughs> I'm trying to do the wrong thing and be a bitch. <laughs> That's actually important for you, right? It's very important for me. Yeah. Ooh, let's hear it then. Who is... Amy. Well, I am a person of labels. So I would say I am, or I have been, started as Christian tomboy, which evolved into nervous teen Hmm. Christian, which evolved (laughs) into angry Christian young woman, which evolved into angry atheist young woman. Which evolved into broken atheist, mm. which devolved into um, sober atheist, and then pregnant atheist, <laughs> which all sort of led to what my transition, I would say now, is feminist awakening. So, mm. I'm labeled. Oh, and transitions, what's this? Snapping. Support. Like a, it's like what you do, what you mm. do for poetry. Yeah. My friend uh, Crystal Cheatham, who has a podcast, who she's on right now this week's episode, and obviously this will air in the future. But she does that on her podcast anytime she like just can't contain herself. She yeah. snaps. It's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I dig it. I like that timeline. Mm-hmm. So feminist awakening is the current place. Yeah. The atheist and it's the label best has one. dropped off, or is it still part of it? I mean, in in t- technically. Okay. I'm still an atheist, gotcha. but, but I don't, don't feel need, tied to that. You don't need to, yeah, tied yeah. to your identity. Or yeah. That's pretty cool. How you describe yourself. Yeah. That's I mean, only in in the technical yeah. sense, in that I, 
I do not think that there's a God out there. Mm-hmm. Um, only in that sense am I an atheist. But I'm definitely into... Um, I don't care whether something is true or of God, but more whether it's beneficial. So uh, if yoga or even prayer, meditation, singing, whatever, worship, whatever the thing is, I don't care whether God is real and recipient uh, recipient of those things. I care if it's beneficial to me. So Mm. it's sort of like I'm being able to experiment with some spiritual traditions that humans have been involved with for thousands of years and and that was sort of something I was excluded from as an atheist to begin with because mm. and, and that loss of um all that you know because when you the way I became an atheist it was very much defiance and anger and so it was like I, I'd lost all that plus community Mm. So it's like, this is kind of cool to be able to come in back into things like that and be like, ooh, maybe, maybe this is cool for me. Yeah. I and really want you to, sorry to interrupt. I really want you to unpack the word <laughs> um, excluded more. Excluded I, as in, what did I say? Excluded from something? Yeah. Well, maybe I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said I was excluded from all spiritual things. So for a long yeah. time, I didn't pray. I didn't go to church. I think I missed this part I of didn't your life worship. where you felt that. Anyways. Well, I mean, that was probably when you and I, Clark, were living at um, in Silva or shortly after yellow the when Yellow we House. When we were roommates. And I was going through my crazy. Yeah. And you were going through this. And we oh. had no idea that we could have been better to each other. Hmm. We did the best we could. We did the best we could. Um, And then when I moved by myself, and then I went through all the stupid things I went through then. and um, Well, not stupid. They were coping mechanisms that helped me at the time. So. I had no idea. Yeah. It's really like. So so all that to say, I was excluded from, I excluded myself from um, spiritual conversations, from anything that was. Uh, moving for the soul because mm-hmm. that was there was no such thing as the soul to me at the, that time so there's no such thing as God it was all science analytical I'm denying every bit of everything that I ever came from which is a very um, you know I think people in my life growing up always said it was it must be so easy to be an atheist because you get to dis- decide what you think is true and you get to make all the rules but the truth is that that you know, you grow up your whole life believing that there is an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving being who's on your side and has everything in your life working out for his good, for your good. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're alone and you know that it all comes down to you. Mm. And you're, you're the only one that's ever going to be there for yourself. That is probably the most devastating transition I ever went through. Mm. So nothing easy about being an atheist. Sounds powerful and until scary. you get past it, and then it's awesome. Yeah, like it has that dual dual side to it. Maybe like like oh cool, all this opportunity to claim my life, and oh shit, yeah, I have no control. Right. It's also really fun to be an atheist when you're angry at Christianity. Yeah. Because that's all you have to say is I'm an atheist, and then you get you, you get attacked, or oh. or shamed, and it's just so fun to be that person when you're angry. That's just the trigger. 
in the conversation. So for a long time, that's that's what that was about for me. It was like going into a boxing match, mm. you know. So another kind of unhealthy than what we knew growing up. That's fascinating. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Looking back at the person you were dating at that time, who must have facilitated mm-hmm. all kinds of conversations that supported this in you. Oh. Atheist, what's his name? Yeah. We just called him Atheist something. We won't say his name. Oh, great. Um, Okay, yeah. We can just call him... You know what? We can say his name. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. We called him Atheist Jared, didn't we? I don't know. He was was searching, but Atheist? Am I right in making making that up? He was definitely an Atheist. Yeah, okay. Um, He was was passionate I think he liked to call himself more of an existentialist. (laughs) Uh, But he was what? Like 22 at the time? God, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, it seems like the time for existence. So yeah, he definitely had an impact on me hmm. at that point in my life. I remember you talking All about positive. him, but I don't think I knew that you dated him. Uh, yeah, twice actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, <laughs> prior to Jared, a lot of my relationships were tumultuous and just unhealthy to the max. Jared was tumultuous because, but in a way, healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, we just didn't know how to be ourselves and didn't know how to be together. So, mm. he was a good guy. Mm. Yeah. I always yeah. think fondly of him. <laughs> this is already, like, so great because what I'm noticing is that usually it takes me, for, you know, a good 20, 30 minutes into the podcast before people are talking about, like, <laughs> you know, like, the shit. Yeah, shit that they went through. Like, real hard moments in their lives. People that, that caused them, oh, Jade, you can't play with the squeaky toy tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there's your weekly dose of Jade, heathens. Um, uh, but obviously we have that, you know, we've got the history, so it's kind of easy to jump right in there. Um, well, and all three of us have always been that type of person to be like, yeah. let's get to the shit. Right Hi, how now. are you? Let's Let's swear a lot and... <laughs> Yeah. And talk about tell me the, who you really are. Tell me your hardest moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the past Darkest three months, time. yeah. Um, so, that was the a thing top. I think that's interesting about our upbringing is that we kind of had two different, um, on either side of our families, on dad's side and on mom's side, we had very different expressions of religion and faith. Um well, okay, well, let's, let's just call it this way. One side was a very expressed faith, and the other side basically wasn't, right? Like, it was a more... Uh, dad's side of the family is just very internal and, and didn't have a lot of need to talk about what we believed, whereas mom's side of the family is... That's pretty much all we were talking about. That's all we were. That's all we were, yeah. That's all that that's, mattered. That's what the family yeah. was. Um, and we sort of... I think they, he was kind of colonized, you know, like you are now a part of this and he got sucked into dad. what dad? Yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he 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 was the he felt that sinker. burden. Mm-hmm. He totally felt that burden. Yeah. It was like he had to help put on a he had to make a whole new mask, I think, to fit mm. into that. Interesting. Yeah. Um what what is I've talked a lot on the podcast about my experience in that environment. Um but what about you guys? What um you mean the Plymouth Brethren environment? <laughs> yep. Which is a new term for me. I had no idea that's what it was called. Oh, really? Yeah, we didn't use it a lot oh, growing up. Oh, we never up. used it. Never, yeah. 
we just we, said the chapel the or chapel. the assemblies. We're going to the chapel or the assemblies, yeah. Um, Which, it w- again, to clarify for anybody jumping into the podcast right now, it was not assemblies of God. I know that's what people tend to think of when they hear that not word. Not even close. Not even a little bit close. No. Um, not pe- not a Pentecostal or, or charismatic in any way. It's very fundamentalist, conservative, uh, restrained, self-deprecating uh, yeah. worship. Um, but... Uh, generally labeled Plymouth Brethren, but yeah, that was not like a denomination that we even knew we were part of or anything like that. Our church was very specific to denounce denominations themselves Mm -hmm. as works of the devil because they separated the church and then they would point the finger at other churches and be like, they're lesser. (laughs) So. Really, Clark? (laughs) Tell tell us more. This is my, that's, I think we all probably have our own way to explain what an an assembly was that's not an assembly of God. That's my spiel that I give everybody. Not an assembly of God, it was this. Right. Well, apparently there are open assemblies and closed assemblies, Mm -hmm. and we were the open one, Mm. which means of uh, Plymouth Brethren, we were the more... We were the nicer ones. Open, liberal. Right. I, I bet open, though, refers to, like... Letting how you let other people participate in like, the church service, yeah. I think it more was welcoming. like you anybody could come in and be a participant. I think with the closed, I might be making that up. Well, we had the closed service and the open service, you know, like the 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 what was it? The taking the emblems, blah blah blah. The Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper. You could do that if you were a member of the church only. Well, we didn't have a membership, yeah. I thought, I thought we did, no. Mm. Uh. There was not no, really. No, not in not in any formal way that people understand church membership. There was nothing to sign. There was no mm. roster. I think like in a closed as- assembly, if I, well, if I were a man, first of all, and I were not a known to the closed church, I might not participate like in speaking or sharing at the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. But you could, you until could be there. That sounds more communion. But, but think Supper about, think about when we went right. to other assemblies. So, like, one of the things that we would do. Uh, That's true. Mama and Papa would take us um, on spring break a lot of years because Mom would have a, a, a school trip. And so we would go with Mama and Papa. And we, there was, like, one time we drove, like, two hours out of our way from, from yeah. our vacation town. I remember I think that. it was in Williamsburg that Passed year. probably 200 churches on the way. Yeah, passed all these churches, but we had to go to the assembly because that was what was That's important what we did. to Papa. So he took us there, and he spoke. Like, he, we went to that service, which was identical to ours in almost every mm-hmm. way, but he, the way it works is the men in the church are permitted to stand up. It's kind of like popcorn prayer, if you're familiar with that, but the men can stand up and take turns calling out a hymn or reading a scripture or just sharing a meditative thought, and mm-hmm. Papa would do that at these churches we would visit. That's so, true. And that part was cool, except it excluded Ish. women. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't fun. Yeah, but the general idea of that is like, oh, that's kind of nice, you know. Well, yeah, I like the unstructuredness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, here's what's on my heart this week. Like, here's what I'm dealing with. Everything else was terrible. Right. One of the key doctrines for us was the priesthood of all believers. That all everyone, you know, there, we we did not have pastors. We did not have people on staff because everyone is a priest. We're right. all right. we're all, all saints. Men. We're, Exactly, yeah. Isn't <laughs> all funny? men. It, and it was even called that. It was the priesthood of all believers, but only men were, you know, there's still roles. The priesthood of all male believers. Yeah, there's still roles that people are permitted to mm-hmm. play. And Thank you for being born with a penis. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't even like. Can you, can you ever remember a man like though, like helping set up the no fellowship meal or like that work, was working in the them. kitchen? That was so. Beneath I don't know. Them. I mean, setting up tables, but like, oh no. Can you, can, do you ever remember a man like washing dishes after a fellowship? Oh meal? fuck. No. You know what? Yeah, I bet. Um, how do I not say his name? I bet he did. Um, there was a person. You're, you're the, yeah, person. yeah. I mean, the, our family friend. Oh, I know. Yes. Your you, friend's father. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I bet he did. Because he's amazing. Anyways. Well, I'm just saying, typically the roles are very like cut and dry, right? Mm-hmm. It's like men do this. Men are allowed to, to speak, first of all. They're the teachers. They're the instructors. Women are, are definitely directed to... Um, hold their questions until after the service and if they have a question ask your husband like or, yeah. or another man if you don't have a husband like sure. that's and then you know women took care of making sure that the fellowship meal happened and that uh you know women taught a lot of the sunday school classes mm-hmm. or you know what would have been perceived as you know things that either gender or, or excuse me either sex could do um so yeah it, it, it's a <laughs> it's a trippy trippy thing what mm. what was interesting to me later in life was you Amy coming coming back to me and this is after you had started therapy and you had been doing it for a while mm. and you kind of came to us and you were like uh hey you guys did you know like our upbringing wasn't really normal in any way like <laughs> we were actually pretty like we were like, suffering from psychological abuse yeah that that's I didn't want to put those words in your mouth but that you said you used no. that word abuse no that's accurate yeah and and, and, and to me at that in the moment when hearing it i was like what are you talking about like abuse is being hit like abuse is a physical hand to your body mm. um i had no concept of of any other kind of abuse yeah. at the time so it was really hard for me to hear that when you first brought it up but that was kind of the trigger for me that that sent me honestly Aww. down a road that like pull pulling back and seeing the world as it really is and seeing our little space in it yeah yeah, yeah, what my therapist actually told me was that people like us who were raised in extreme religious conditions, and it can be any religion that's that has that kind of extremist upbringing and you know self-deprecation, uh, is that adult children of intense religious communities like that exhibit the same symptoms of adult children of alcoholic parents. So. Mm. Children who grow up with alcoholic parents mm-hmm. um, manif- end up manifesting the same symptoms that we do. Hmm. So, what are, do you know what some of those might it's be? It's been so long. Um, I think, I mean, anxieties and depression, mm-hmm. some of the big ones. Yeah. Mm, I don't remember. Like maybe our own tendency towards substance abuses or things like yeah, that? Yeah, substance Probably abuse. Self-deprecation for, for, for and self-blame. Yeah, and I think like that, that was a big part. Yeah. And sort of this low level of confidence, putting ourselves in situations where um, that are um, painful for us or risky, mm. uh, risk, risky behavior, mm-hmm. and also sort of like that whole putting ourselves in a relationship that's unhealthy and because it feels normal mm. type of yeah. thing. And playing that role mm. that maybe a child of an alcoholic parent, mm. doing that, continuing wow. that into adulthood. So... Yeah, I mean, so he, he would refer to it for the first, what, year or so of therapy, he would refer to it as my ACO, ACOA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholic Parents. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Adult Children of Alcoholics. But 
we knew that it, instead of alcoholics, it was religion. Right. right. That so. is so heartbreaking to think of our parents, who mean so well, never had a drop of alcohol. Well, they were as well. They were also, they had the same well, condition mom, we did. Mom was. I don't know that dad. Yeah, dad has had his own stuff that was not quite so much tied to religion, I don't think, no. growing up. Yeah. Father, father-son dynamic that yeah. was hard for him. Yeah. Unfulfilled dreams kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Boy. <laughs> Amy's over here grimacing. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these things out loud. Yeah, I know. Well, like I said, we can always go back and cut anything out that we feel uncomfortable about later. So um, you didn't know that, did you, Heathen? Sometimes, actually, you know, it's only happened like literally probably once that somebody has come back and said, you know what, I said something that I kind of wish I hadn't. And and I'm always happy to go honor the requests of my guests and make sure that they're comfortable with everything that we put out. So so just know if you ever come on Heathen, you will also be cared for and protected in that way. Um, so, um, what about the difference between our own experiences? Cause there's three years between you and me, Amy, and mm-hmm. then three more years between you and Clark. And so I feel like we, I mean, Clark, you and I didn't have much of a relationship growing up. Mm-mm. We, I was, I was, a re- I was not a great older brother <laughs> in so many ways. When we were really little. When we were really little, yeah. And then when I was like a preteen and a teenager, you tried really hard to be a great brother. And I was like, excuse me, I'm a teenager. Leave like, me alone. Go away. Ew. Also, buy me things. I don't need you. So you bought me things. <laughs> Did I really? <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you bought me a trip with you to New York, to Washington. Oh, I forgot and you guys I, did that. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I did my best to be grateful, but it probably wasn't the kind of gratitude I could express now. I had fun on that trip. I actually had fun too. Yeah, yeah. I think fondly. But but so we did. We just had very different upbringings. I think. I mean, the first, the, the oldest sibling, I think, always goes through a yeah. level of um, you know the parents are figuring shit out. They are. Uh, I I don't know. There, I, there's just commonalities. Yeah, the guinea pig. Yeah, commonalities among a lot of the oldest siblings that I know, where we were like, oh well, I'm I was good. I was the good kid. I I mm-hmm. was responsible and I took care of things and I, you know, I felt that pressure and that weight, especially when my younger siblings came along. Um, so, what what is it like from your your eyes though? Like, what was it? I mean. Can we just, can I have a suggestion here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you just give, because I know you've given it a lot. Can you give it like just a couple sentences, synopsis of your experience, like the mood of it, and then just go down the line? Sure. Um, the mood of my experience. Yeah. I felt, uh, you know, I, I, I felt pressure. I felt a lot of pressure to live up to an expectation that I wasn't even certain you know, I, I didn't know where that line was. I didn't know what I was aiming for all the time. I just knew that it was real high. Hmm. And so that caused me to <sighs> overachieve in a lot of ways. I was a real, school was really easy for me. So that was, I, I was always a good student. That came naturally. Um, I mean, one of the pressure points that I always failed at was being an athletic kid, being good at sports, um, doing anything in that regard that, that would have pleased a lot of mem- members of the family. <laughs> um, that was just something I never could live up to because it just it wasn't an interest in any way, shape, or form. I remember trying. Like I tried out for the basketball team in middle school. I didn't. I didn't make it. I <laughs> played. Um, uh, oh, it was it was running, not cross country. What's the other one? Track and field. Like I tried track and field. You did well. We didn't have a legit track and field team, but you know, Amy Riley. <laughs> 
sorry, Amy, for saying your name. You'll never hear this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I like tried a little track and field. Thing. I don't know. It was weird. So anyway, <laughs> um, just all that to say, you know, I, I grew up to be the chaplain my senior year at high, in in our Christian high school. Like yeah. I won the citizenship award, which is has nothing to do with anything you learned in school. It was purely best. This Christian. is a good Christian. Like that's what that is. It's a badge that says, "Here's our best Christian this year." <laughs> I was so envious when you won that. I so wanted you to win that. Oh, that was my ultimate goal in life, man. <laughs> Yeah. So that was me, but I was also, I'm also, you know, I've talked a lot. I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm fiery. I, it took me a long time to find my voice, but it was still always there. Like, so I was always kind of pushing back and asking some hard questions. Um, like, I, I, I've even told the story here about when I challenged Jonathan Brower, who was our, yeah, that know, was interesting. kind of the favorite speaker uh, on the circuit that came through our churches. And, um, and I was just, there was part of me that was really proud of the time I kind of stumped him, basically, with, with that question. So, you know, I was I was always pushing back on the boundaries a little bit. But ultimately, I was just trying to maintain my place and figure out what it, what it was, what, what, how far could I go in some ways and still, and still maintain the role and the place I had in our family of faith and our church to where, like, Papa would still look at me approvingly right. to where Mama would still like be very delighted to see me at all times. Um, mm. And I feel like now, and I know now actually that, you know, with Mama, like there's, I, she would have loved me like regardless. Like yeah. she's wonderful. I, but you know, the culture of it all still told me that I had to do something in order to get love, get the love, get the approval, the affection Yeah, that you're the best Christian sticker. Like I needed that. It was not obvious that love was supposed to be unconditional. Mm. Yeah. Yes, that is true. It wasn't. It wasn't it was like, not obvious at all. Yeah, it wasn't a tenet of our upbringing. It was a. Yeah, it was something we had. We felt, at least, yeah, that I felt compelled to earn. Yeah, I think they thought we would know it instinctively, mm-hmm. so it didn't have to be part of the message. Mm. So right. the message instead needed to be that which spurred us on. You know. Yeah. It's a compassionate way to look at it. Well, I, I mean, I just, I've had conversations with mom, even mama, um, just sort of like, you know, why didn't you why? think? Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, <laughs> the message was very much that you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Like, um, you know, you told your story on one podcast about. You you wanted to sit down for the kids' song, yeah. <laughs> I had self-assessed that I'm I'm ready. Like I'm 12 years old. It's okay for me to not stand for the kids' song anymore. Right. Yeah. I had a similar story with uh, Papa. You know, it's like whenever we would, I would see him, he'd always ask me, "Amy, have you been in the Word?" And <laughs> I just like that hated that question because fuck no, I'm nine. Of course, I haven't been in the Word. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I dreaded it, but then I think I must have been like 10, 11 maybe. And I, uh, I did like, I did a daily devotion every single night for, I think it was like a month, half or something I'm reading through the gospels. I don't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but I was so like ready the next time I saw mm-hmm. Papa and the next time he asked me that. And so he did. And he said, you've been in the word. And I said, yes, I have. I've been reading my Bible every single night for 35 days or whatever it was. And he sighed that heavy sigh oh, and said, Amy, you're supposed to read in the morning. And it was just like, so that was one of those 
And and these little things happened all the time yeah. where it was just like. Do you think he was joking? No, no, no. really. Because I'm. You're supposed to start your day with this. You start your day with God. You oh don't God. tack him on to the end. I could see. Yeah, I could see. He probably so, wasn't joking. I used to laugh when he did that stuff to me because I always thought. No, and so I mean that was one of those times where I was like, God, I will never be good enough. There's mm. nothing, and and it's not like good job, but. Here's your next step of improvement. Right. It was not. It was never there presented was never, that way. Never pat on the back before the next step. You never know, like encourage me or even imagine. inquisitive of like and and how's that been for you? Like yeah, what, yeah. What, what have you learned? Well, yeah. How have you developed as no. a human? Oh, it was wow. sort of like where yet, and then I'll give you your grade. Yeah. There was no discussion. As and, to, and, and and that was just the structure of it. Any like we had the you learn the books of the Bible. Get five dollars. Like, that was the thing that our church did. Like, you yeah. literally got, got up. If you would get up and say the books of the Bible in order, you get a $5 bill. And that was a lot of kids were compelled to do that. Yeah. Um, and they kept upping the upping the reward, too. 10, 15, 20. Oh, really? They, might, they might even get 25 after, now. That happened after I left, man. I think I got $10. Inflation, what? baby. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> I got my fiver. Um uh, geez, you know, I'm, as you're talking about that experience, I'm remembering times that Papa did that kind of stuff with me too. But I, I have a sense that maybe, um, like I, I memorized entire books of the Bible because of that kind of pressure. I, yeah. mem- I memorized Second Timothy. I memorized James. Yeah. Like word for word. I could quote the book of James yeah. word for word. You cry. <laughs> I, th- I think they had, had us memorize John maybe. The whole book, the gospel of John? No wonder I never I, got that never Christian that one, award. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I gotta well, say. Well, let's just say the, the, tr- the further down the train you get, yeah, yeah we'll, we're, we'll get to you because that will be super fascinating. I want to ask Amy, though, real quickly, do you feel like you got, I don't feel like I got maybe as many check-ins from like Papa or other people in the chapel about that kind of stuff because I feel like hmm. my maleness allowed mm-hmm. me to be, like, uh, as long as I exhibited the behavior correctly and it, things looked good on the outside, nobody felt the need to check in with me frequently. Yeah, as you were talking earlier and you were saying you felt like you had to do all the things to live up and to achieve, for me it was almost um, almost the opposite. Like, it was almost like, just be quiet. Like, so it was always like, rather than pushing yourself to achieve all the time, it was sort of like taper it back, to, uh, bring down the shine of your light, don't be too bright, don't be too anything, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, as our church would, the women would wear those head coverings, right? Yeah. In every service, which for me, there were multiple times where I was told that that meant something different. I was told that that was, uh, one, one time it was because a woman's hair is her glory and she must cover that. Um, no glory is greater than God's. Well, and because a man's glory could be presented to the church, it could be utilized by the church, it could be used by God, but a woman's glory, you need to hide that. That is not for you. That is not for anyone. Except one day when you get married, you know. Then suddenly. And then... Um, and then suddenly you're expected to perform, to be firing on all cylinders. Sure. And without so Without ever practicing anything. For me, like being... Not your typical uh, little girl. You know, I was very much a tomboy. Yeah, you know, I hated those fucking dresses. And it, so it always felt like um, 
I, 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 so it was like, okay, you can't, all the things that you're good at naturally, Amy, um, you know, your strength, your, your, your maleness, I mean, in a, in a little bit is not yours. Yeah. So you don't get to keep that. You don't get to express that. And I didn't have all the qualities that were typically female. I'm not a good hostess. You know, I can't, I'm not, I'm not a very good nurturer. I'm not very like intuitive. I don't intuitively know. Well, I mean, motherhood helped change that, but I don't intuitively know what other people's needs are. I'm very much like, I often feel like I can barely take care of myself. So I don't, you know, so, so it was like this sort of like you are just constant limbo and trying very hard not to let the part of me, um, that, that was my strongest, that was like this spirit inside of me to not let it out because it was going to, it was going to be the worst thing that could happen because there's nothing worse than a woman with spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, one, I, one time early in therapy, I, like one of my little breakthrough moments was I said, I've, I've been contained. My whole life I've been contained. And um, so that's what it felt like for me growing up was that don't, you don't get to be what you can. No As you were suppressing it, did you think that was the devil? Like, do you think that? Did you know no, that that I, was? No, I actually didn't think it was the devil. I just thought that, like, my lot as a female, and I even had—I mean, to some sort of credit to some of these men—they didn't really present it to me as um, you're a piece of shit because you're a woman. It was more like, listen, this doesn't. I, I was actually told by multiple men that you're not it's not that you're not allowed to speak because you're not capable or you're not smart enough we just don't know why god has this rule so it, i i don't know to in some sense that was better but so it was just sort of like this lot that i had that it was like well you got a vagina so you don't get to let your light shine like mm. so the way that your particular light shines yeah because um, as you were talking, okay, first of all, this is like, it's it's just heartbreaking. I don't know what else to say other than it's heartbreaking to hear. Well, I developed a really good imagination because of it, because I just lived inside my own head. Because mm. I so couldn't much. meet the female. That does explain very much. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't meet the female requirements, and I wasn't allowed to meet the male, to meet the male ones. So Where I just created go? this whole internal mm. landscape inside my head that... Which, that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, 
the, to hear you describe yourself as not nurturing or not, um, I can't remember the specific words you used, to, the, the feminine qualities you were kind of calling out and saying, well, I'm not exactly these things. Mm. I mean, I would push back a little bit on that and say, you are. Like, you mm-hmm. are a nurturer. It's just that we had a very narrow definition of what those things were yeah. and what a woman was allowed to look like. I mean, super narrow. Well, definition. and a nurturer was someone who cooked for her family and yeah. the house was always perfect. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. Yeah. I just, I just want to point that out that it was, it wasn't even that, um, yeah, it wasn't even that you were lacking in any particular area. It's just yeah. that the way your light, the way your light shone Man, the the prism of 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 the chapel of the of Asheville Gospel Chapel growing up, it, it didn't let that light through. Like it it, it filtered that out, mm. um, and that sucks. That there's just no fucking way around it. It sucks, mm. and I hate that for you. Mm. I felt nauseous while you were starting to explain this, like like literally nauseous. And I got to this point where I'm like, I don't know if I can keep feeling this. I literally might have to throw up. And then I just kind of clicked where I was like detached for a minute. And I'm like, I just don't know what this is like. I just have to listen to you talk. Well, but in a way you do, both of you. Cause it's one thing to witness it as a child. It's another thing to hear what it was like. But right, I if any... I think she's talking about something else, Claire. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> if, any, if anybody knows what it's like to keep a part of yourself secret and hidden from the world, it's you two. What do you mean? What are you talking about? We all just went to take a drink <laughs> at the same time, so no one was talking, and it was just going to be quiet for a second. Let's just let that happen. It's because you're gay. What? I mean, at least 90%. Way to out us on this podcast. Gay. It's time. It's gay. <laughs> it's time. Um, nice. Oh, man. Well, okay, so I just... I'm. I'm so glad that you found therapy. So, I mean, relatively early, certainly earlier than I did. And, and I mean, you were one of the things that the impetus for me to, you know, consider finally going myself. Mm. But, um, I mean, yeah, I know you've been doing that work for a long time and I know it's been hard and man, it's cost you money. It's cost you time. It's cost you time away from your family. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, the work you've had to put into letting that light back out. And there's sacrifices to make in, in yourself along the way of that process, I can only imagine. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm glad that you're doing it and that you have done it and are, love you. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. I love you. I love you too.
crying. So this is great. <laughs> well, not me. I don't cry. Things, things are going very well. Whatever. I saw you tearing up earlier. Shut I up. do tear up. It's about the closest I get to crying. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll I'm calling it crying. Yeah, let's call it crying. Um, pivot. Clark. I, I think Matthew and I took all the emotions. In the family. The time, mother, and then by the time I came along, I'm just... Because mm-hmm. Matthew and I are criers. <laughs> yes, I'm jealous are. about it. Crying is and sometimes, good. And sometimes we have cried at each other like our emotions our emotions so when we have been at um the opposite ends of the our clashes are epic i mean we have fought like no siblings have ever fought before except for the greek gods maybe okay maybe but only maybe we learned a thing or two from them like let's just put it that way because yeah when we have we we've been mad at each other it's been insane Mm. like insane yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Pivot. Clark. <laughs> What's the question? Well, I think we're just talking about what the experience was like for, like, our individual experiences. Oh, you know what it is. Okay. I was just Because he's joke. the one that You're asked just it. being a butt. <laughs> I'm just being a butt. <laughs> I'm just reintroducing people to the emotionless version of me. You're so funny. I'm joking. You're so. not emotionless. No, I'm not. But they're hard for me. Yeah. Emotions are confusing for me. Yeah. But I, I have so many. Anyways, um, it was different for me for sure. Not a woman. Not I wasn't ambitious in the way Matthew was. I had this other thing going where it's like, whatever's Math- Matthew's doing, I have to do something different because I could never top him. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, like um, I was always trying to find something I could excel in for that approval because it was very clear to me. I got the same message that... It, Jesus is the only way to unconditional love. You're not going to get it from, you know, your parents. You're not going to get it from the community around you. You're not going to get it. And, oh, it's just not going to happen. So I looked I looked for something. And to this day, I still don't know what, what I want to do with my life. You know, like I never really found anything. I just have found little bits and pieces of all kinds of beliefs and traditions and doings mm-hmm. that resonate with me. And so I know a mishmash of this and that, but I've never found like... Um, which is well, honestly, a trade, so one of my favorite things about you because that, that all of that you do you have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things like I've learned tons from you over the years as an adult so, yeah, as a, absolutely I mean as an adult because <laughs> we like I said we didn't have much of a relationship growing up I went away to college you were still in middle school mm-hmm. um, but and then, then all of a sudden Clark was the wise one well, yeah so, sometimes right? <laughs> so how the fuck did that happen let's talk about uh, that well for okay so I mean it, it goes back really far into the wee days of Clarkles <laughs> <laughs> okay, take it back wise one <laughs> The wee days of Clarkles. <laughs> the wee days of Clarkles. And I, I, yeah, I didn't find that acceptance. You were a bully at the time, and Amy was the meteor. <laughs> the me- mediator. Said, you were a bully. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bully. At the time, it's out of the way. I love He's it. not now. He's so not now. And Amy was the mediator, so sometimes she had to be on Matthew's side in order for the process, the, the sibling thing to work. And so I'd be alone in the woods, humming, biting the dog sometimes when I got angry with her. I did that. I had some issues. I bi- you were a dog biter. I was a dog biter. I forgot about that. Jesus. And I felt so bad. You were, yeah, we were she really was fucked good up. about it, man. She was the best dog. Oh, I remember Duchess. her just standing there. Being like, like, this well, is happening tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and, and so I became a loner and... Um, that kind of created this persona in me, like seeing myself over and over and over again, being quiet and in my own space in the woods behind her house. 
I learned to just be reflective and observant. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's two things that happen when someone takes on that persona for years and years. One is cynicism. Mm -hmm. And the other is um, a lot of analyzing of the people around you, you know, like really looking at what they Mm -hmm. do and trying to learn from it. And so that kind of set up my mode of being in the church Um, there was this other side to it where I was really attention seeking. So I really wanted to find my niche and I never really did. So I just, I, I kind of stopped trying and I just took the mode of being internal and seeing like, well, how can I be the perfect Christian inside? Even if nobody was ever going to say thank you for it. Mm. And even I think if I had been the most obviously perfect Christian in the world, I probably wouldn't have gotten the thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of glad <laughs> I didn't try too hard, Yeah, but it, you know, is my that internal because world, it was just expected of you anyway. So like living up to the, the standard is just like actually the bottom line. Like, yeah. Yeah, so you, no, there's no props for... Right, it was yeah. kind of the only way that I thought I could maybe be um, better than the standard is to just do it internally, because mm. it was the only avenue that seemed untaken. Wow. interesting, yeah. Um, which, I mean, to this day, I still love in, internal work. You know, mm. we were talking about circling mm. and how I like circling, but... I mean, my church experience was kind of just lonely. I mean, because mm. I didn't know how to connect with people without being that childish kind of like, I need attention, I need attention, I'm the best. And so I bossed my friends around all the time. So obviously they weren't really friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was mostly it, you know, like the, the donuts in between the, the services. The and then donuts. trying to make a scene as much as possible in Sunday school. Um <sighs> Yeah, just trying to be the clown or whatever. Yeah. Huh. That was, I mean, my experience was just like, where the fuck do I fit? That was pretty much it. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Never really found it. Yeah. Until I got out of the church. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. And now I found it in, in many ways I never thought I could. You, in, in so many ways, you kind of had these developmental steps much earlier than, it, certainly than me. I'm thinking maybe earlier than you, Amy, um, where you... Yeah. Were, you kind of, I, I'm, I'm just talking about how you maybe resisted a little bit of the indoctrination and also, um, mm. because it wasn't just church. We went, we all went to the same Christian school for 13 right. years as well. Right. And I mean, one thing I, I mean, I, again, we can cut out anything you don't want to talk about, but, um, oh, it's on one, the table. One thing I, you know, know only, I don't, I, I wasn't there for when this stuff happened to you, but you were outed. In high school, in a way? I outed myself. You outed yourself. More okay. or less, yeah. So so you... The first and only in that school. That's yeah, right. In our, in our Christian school. So far, nobody's come out during their high school experience. Plenty of people come out after. Yeah. To, really, to this day? So far as I know. I mean, I mom's mean, still a teacher there. Our, mo- our mom teaches there, so she yeah. kind of would know. Um, so yeah, so you are... Wow, you're like this rare person in our upbringing who came out in high school. Yeah. What was that like? Well, from the church side of things, I just kind of wanted to say, like, it it felt foreign to me, and it's a big, like, cynicism piece that allowed me to look at what was going on, and I have this, like, desperate outward thing going on, but internally I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? What the fuck are these people doing? Like... They say unconditional love, they do this thing, so some of my, like, jokester things 
actually some of my serious true self things coming out got interpreted as jokester things because I would be like, well, this passage says this and this passage says this. And people weren't really expecting me to be smart because I was not um, outwardly. And they, they mm. would just kind of laugh that off and give me shitty answers. And I was just like, wow, what a shitty answer, you know, in, mm. internally. And so I had a lot of judgment um, about the church people. And that, that opened up room for me to be like, well, how can I be a Christian that's, you know, better than these Christians? Because, of course, I had my ego as a kid and always. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I just learned that truth was important ministering seemed to like I hadn't like our church really or our grandpa who was an elder in our church he was a big deal in our church he, which is why we actually, keep referring to him he actually was not he, was not he an wasn't elder. an elder oh because he was better than no 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 yeah well yeah it's a fun story, story. we yeah. got to take a break he was he refused to be an elder because his children were not following in God uh, he had one child there's like wasn't. a there's like a line I think it's yeah. in second Timothy actually that talks about the children of an elder are you know well behaved respectful whatever I don't and he know. said I can't do it because my kids yeah so he kind of he are kinda, not living up he kind of put that on his yeah put mm-hmm. that shame on his own kids yep. for not living up to what his expectations were, and therefore he was unable to assume a role of elder in our church. That doesn't mean, though, that he wasn't exactly what you're saying. He right. Was. He was so critical right. to he our community. He was the pillar yeah. of that community. That yeah. church, I mean, I mean, there were lots of, of men who were very, you know, staple, but he held he that shit a, together. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, where was I? Approval coming out, something, something. Um, you were... I'll just I'll just jump in somewhere, yeah. but it's just like I was looking at okay that cynicism and um, trying to be a better Christian than the people around me, and um, truth was something that stuck to me, and ministering to people was something that I I saw as like it cut off connections. Hmm. I, I would see Grandpa doing that, and I would see the people just shut down, and I would be like, huh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. And that doesn't seem like he's reaching them at all. So I'm like, well, how can I minister to people? And like, that seemed to be no way to do it. So to be a good Christian in my mind meant to be a Christian by acts, not by voice. Hmm. Um, and so I didn't minister to people. I tried to just act the, the Christ way, right? And so that led me to the friends that I formed in my early high school years, which were the outcasts, you know, the non-Christian-y ones. They're the ones that struggled with it or didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't, at least I wasn't verbally judging them. Yeah. Um, huh. And that they, you know, the people that I drew into my life helped bring out the qualities in me and the qualities in Christianity that I already appreciated, mm-hmm. such as truth and honesty. And to me, when I was like, okay, well, I'm gay and that's just what it is. And 16, I've been trying for the past four years to not be gay, praying the gay way didn't work. This just isn't going to change I just saw that very clearly at 16 that's amazing and I was heartbroken about it because I didn't want you know people to I didn't want to basically choose to be ridiculed for the rest of my life but it seemed like I had no options I was like well let's just get this over with let's just start the ridicule now so I can start to learn how to deal with it and I have these couple of friends that I think will support me wow and bad ass so I just I just I just came out to them and then I was, I was, I mean, I was pretty flamboyant. At the same time I came out, I was like, well, what else can I throw out with Christianity? Um, and Wait, throwing out meaning, so you, so I, com- so I coming out felt like a like disregard a, of your faith? Yes. Wow. I literally prayed the night before. I was like, God, 
I'm going to come out and, um, you know, like, if you're really a truly loving God, I will find you again. But if you're the God everybody's saying you are, then bye. Wow. I said goodbye. Wow. And I felt something that night. You know, I felt something leave me. And it felt really scary. Mm. And, like, later, way many years later, I, like, learned kind of what that meant. Mm. But, um... Yeah, so the do next... You, do you have words for that, for what that meant? Or what is that, that meant? something very personal? Um, yeah, I have words for that. I guess I usually use the story to explain that. I'm such a story person. Emotions mm-hmm. are hard. Yeah. Um, the, the words I might use are, are just that I felt, I felt lost, you know, like bereft mm. like of myself. Um, there was a piece of me mm. that so believed in being good um, and I was afraid I was giving away goodness mm. it felt like a choice to yeah. a choice you were making to yeah, that I was going to be bad shuck that and yeah I'm being bad now yeah wow and that there was no way to not be because it was just the truth right wow and so I had to somehow mesh all that together and with some slow stitching I've always been pretty in awe of your story <laughs> Because we did grow up so similarly, and yet for me, that process took <laughs> so yeah. I just didn't I didn't come to terms with anything until so much later. So I've always been because I came out, and my version of coming out was you know announcing oh I have a yeah. same sex attraction blah blah blah. But um, I came out, and then it was very shortly after that, <sighs> you know that we didn't even know about each other. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I had my assumptions, I had my thoughts, wonders, questions, really about you, um, but we never talked about it. Um, and so it was very shortly after that that I learned that this was happening for you in school. From mom is where I learned this. Oh, uh, I thought you had told him. No, I'm, I'm fairly sure I, mom, okay. mom brought all this up with me. Okay. Um, which we'll get to some of that in a second too, but I'm just, yeah. this is amazing that at 16 you were like re- making, having these, being able to call call things what they were. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't call anything what it was until yeah. a decade a decade later. You know. Yeah. Um, so this is this is amazing to me. So sorry to interrupt you, but next from from that you you came out to your close friends and then mm-hmm. and then it then it kind of leaked. Um, mm. Well, because high schoolers aren't because I was really flam- I don't understand. <laughs> because I was flamboyant. Um, oh. At the same time that I did this, I'm like, well, what else doesn't make sense in Christianity? Because if I'm forming this new thing for myself. And I'm, I'm afraid to call it Christianity because this is too new. And if I call it Christianity, somebody else will slap me down. The Christians mm. will be like, you're not a Christian, you know. So I have to, I have to just form it. And they would have. Mm. I have to just form it as something new. And um, what, what pieces of Christianity can I take with me? You know, truth is one of them. And what else is true? And it's like, well, it's stupid. I've been ridiculed my whole life for being artistic, sucking at sports, I should be allowed to be feminine. Like, mm. and so I, all my friends were girls and I'm like, I'm going to talk like them. Like I've always sort of talked like them and I've just been like quiet all the time because I'm afraid people will identify my voice as feminine. So I'm mm. just going to talk more and I'm going to say everything on my mind and I'm just going to be girly. And, um, and that didn't go over well for me, but I did it. Um, and it went over well for me in the way that it allowed my feminine side to start growing. Yeah. So once that happened, people were like, you know, you need to like be more authentic. You're, you're a man and blah, 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 blah. And 
authentic. And right. it was so confusing for me because I'm like, well, does that mean it's fake femininity coming from me because I'm a man or... You know, like, does it mean that I'm just new at this feminine thing and I'm not quite doing it right? Like, you know, the internal analyzing the way that that would go for a teenager. um, It's pretty much what you would guess. And people would come up and ask me, you know, like, I I mean, are you you gay? And most of the time I had the bravery to say, yep. And some of the times, like, if it was a guy I had a crush on, I'd be like, silent, crickets. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah. Does that happen a lot? People actually would ask. Me. Yeah, lots of people would. I ask. mean, I got accused of it. No one ever asked me. No one. No one was thoughtful about it. I was made fun of. For right. It. Um, but that's wild that you were approached and, and yeah, the inquiry was made. The inquiry was made, and and I told my friends, I'm like, look, just use your judgment. If someone's asking you, because they're gonna ask you, not me. Someone's asking you, just use your judgment. If you think they're gonna beat me up, please don't tell them. If you don't think it's a risk to my physical health, then sure. Wow. And so it's it spread. Parents wrote into the school. They yeah. were like, "Kick yeah. this kid out. Fuck this kid. Mm-hmm. He's gay." And it was bad. And so, so this is where um, I was starting to learn because shit was going down at the school, and I was hearing it from mom's perspective. And I gotta say, it was actually wildly. Um, I mean, I was I was really. Uh, it wasn't what I expected to hear from our mother. Um, she was very defensive. Uh, she was very protective. And mm-hmm. she kind of called a spade a spade. Uh, again, I don't know the whole story, but what, what, I've, what I heard from her at that time was there was like a moment where you were going to be pressed to make some kind of public like retraction or statement or apology. God, I don't even remember. There's something else that was going on at that I time. I think it we was discussed, to, but... if I remember correctly, that they were. The faculty I don't think they ended ended up doing it, but I think they, they were talking about keeping your diploma away from you. Oh, wow. Yes, until were. you apologized to the student body wow. for being gay. What the fuck? That was an actual discussion. Your academic right? achievements are going to be withheld from you. Until they, you... I was, I, I think you probably know more about that than I do. Um, they I, told I, me as much as actually no nobody told me but mom and the and you know how mom, mom is you know mm-hmm. how mom is she only wants to give little bits of information yeah and and she just told me that my diploma was at risk so she went to bat for you like she went to Will George Bill George what's his name Bill George uh, and was like listen if you put my kid on a on a podium in front of the entire school to make some sort of apology or whatever about what we call his sin, then you have to do that with every single student in this school. Did you know this? You're looking at me like you didn't know this. I didn't know this. Oh, Clark. Yeah. My whole life up till this moment, I thought mom was not my ally in any way whatsoever. Oh, honey. Mom told me that this is what happened. I had no idea she was up there fighting for me. That was her mama bear side. Mm-hmm. Protector Young. Like, you have no idea how much this changed, changes my story. I'm so sorry to do this on a live podcast. Oh, my God. We can, we can absolutely, Clark, we can take this out. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. I mean... Yeah, that's a big deal to learn. I'm sorry. No, I it's thought you okay. I had no idea. I was just retelling the story, our, story our as mom, I heard it. Our mom just doesn't say enough. She Too many secrets yeah. in our family. This is the heartbreak. It's just like the level of closeness that I could have felt mm-hmm. for her, but I was so against her as a teenager. Yeah. 
Because she didn't fight for me. She did in her way. She did in her way. And that, like, that is something that I can appreciate now. I don't know if I would have appreciated it then, but I had no idea. That's why her job was at stake. I bet that's why her job was at stake. Her job was at stake? Her job was at stake because I came out. (sighs) Yeah. Okay, any ACA listeners out there, that's fucking bullshit. (laughs) Don't do this shit to your goddamn students. Yeah. And faculty. And faculty. You don't get to take away people's jobs because you don't like the way they're living their life. I feel like, um, man, I feel like we need to talk to mom. <laughs> I think we need to hear the whole story because we've all heard just bits and pieces. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to know what went down. I understand why she would be like scared to share all this. Um, yeah. It's hard. but And she still works there. That's the other thing that I, I've, I've actually tried to temper a lot of what I say about... Her job's important to her. The school. Yeah. And yeah, it, it is. It's important. She, she's very good at it. And she loves her students. She is one of the yeah. most... In te- she's the kind of teacher that you, like, I mean, makes you fight, absolutely 100% fight for, you know, the rights of teachers in this country. Because it's yeah. like, that, this, this is the kind of person who is out there dedicating her life to, to making, you know, to making it, making students succeed. Like yeah. our, our mother is that person. So she's got her issues, but man, she's a great teacher. Yeah. I hated that. I loved her as a teacher when I was a teenager. <laughs> I hated that. I loved her. She was one of the best teachers. Um, wow. This is like, this conversation is very different from what I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to be silly. Me too. We, we have, haven't done a lot. We that. haven't had enough of that. But right after this break, <laughs> we'll only talk in funny voices. figure out decide what we're gonna do i think we're gonna we're gonna record for a few more minutes tonight and we if we don't get to everything we want to tonight then we will revisit maybe you guys got have a couple more days here in san diego so um we we just had to push pause and do a little regrouping that's all it happens sometimes on heathen we deal with some heavy stuff so (laughs) gubrit who is also clark um (laughs) You uh, started out our conversation talking about trauma, and I wanted to be sure we... I mean, we've been talking about trauma pretty much this whole time uh, without naming it always. But um, let's talk maybe 
if, I, say more about uh, trauma that's happened to you for sure, anything that you're interested in saying, either of you. But let's also talk about um, recovery yeah. and some of the steps that we've each gone through. We've had very different paths to recovery, yeah. um, each of us. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to mm-hmm. dig into. I mean, Amy, we've already talked about therapy. Uh, how, how, how long have you been going to therapy? Um, well, let's see. The, uh, let's see, Trevor was like three, so I guess about six years with one year where I didn't go. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I've only been going consistently for like a year now myself. Um, and I had tried it a couple of times before that, but I just never, mm-hmm. I don't know. I wasn't. My first time I landed a, a therapist that was just, he's phenomenal. That's so. great. Yeah. That's, yeah, really lucky actually. That's part of what I, why I feel like I didn't commit to it earlier on. Um, I just. I think that, that relationship that you develop with your therapist is important. And yeah, I can see how that could easily not have jived. Yeah, that and then also I I think part of it was there was just a difficulty connecting, but also I think I wasn't as committed to finding a connection. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I was more committed to being skeptical of the person I was mm. talking oh, to. Oh, I didn't realize that you you had switched. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I, I think I've in total seen four, four different therapists mm-hmm. over my life. Have you landed now? I, I have been with my current therapist for about a year. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm... But um, well, I don't is know. there a but there? Or? I mean, there is. There is slightly. Okay, I'm, I'm pondering. Okay. Okay. I'm pondering looking for someone. We're just so similar. Hmm. Um, yeah, and we actually shoot the shit a lot. Like it ends up being very um, like, yeah. oh, let's catch up because we have we kind of have a good time. Yeah, sometimes, and then I, and then I'll be 15 minutes in, and I'm like, oh, I. I need to be doing more work here and I'm paying for this. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I, my ideal therapist is, um, I would love to talk to a, a, a woman who's older than me and, and probably preferably a queer woman hmm. who's older than me. Like I, who, yeah. who maybe is less talkative than, than I am. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I think a really ideal space for me to find. I just, I don't It's good that you know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Anyway, sorry. Trauma recovery. Mm-hmm. Also in therapy for maybe three years now. Um, I've done a lot of different therapies. Yeah. That's been really helpful. Uh, DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. I did a group with them for a long time. A few, what is, a few years. What is that? Can you... I mean, it sounds the, the name sounds more complicated than what it is. It's basically emotion regulation practices. It's... From the era when psychology and Buddhism kind of shook hands and said, we can create stuff together. So they did, and it's good, and I recommend it. Hmm. Um, there's, it's usually done, I think, in a group setting, huh. and it's, it just facilitates building skills that should freaking be taught in schools to children to just cope with little things going on in your mind that can snowball really fast and turn into, you know, suicidal thoughts by the end of a day. You know mm. what I mean? So yeah. it's it's just learning how to catch that and doing really simple, easy things that just 
really check you. So it's it has a lot to do, like, che- uh, fact-checking is one of the skills you learn, you know. Um, so it's like, you know, I'm shit, I'm worthless. Actually, I just feel like shit. And because I feel something doesn't mean it's true, mm. right? So just saying that in your head does so much to reset what's going on. Even if you still feel that way, it just reframes it a little bit. And the more you use it, it just builds. Um, I do art therapy, Art therapy? Art therapy, because it's less invasive, and it's hard for me to just be present with my emotion because I just lose track of what's going on inside me. So art therapy is a way to focus it, Hmm. and it's more gentle. Yeah, I would imagine that gets really focused, actually, because you're working on one piece for, what, like an hour? You sit down for an hour? Yeah, I sit down for an hour. I don't always work on art when I'm there. Sometimes we'll talk about the art that I have worked on on my own time. Oh, really? Sometimes we'll just talk. So there's a facilitator? Yes. Yeah, she's my therapist. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, all one person, and it's really helpful. Hmm. Um, Peter Levine's book, what is it? Waking the Tiger, I think, is one I recommend. My therapist has recommended it to me, and I'm maybe in the middle of it now. It's taken me a long time to get through it, but it's it's very much. I mean, he's done a lot of work in this field of being untraumatized hmm. and a lot of studying. Peter Levine, Waking the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, what resources do you have to throw at people, Amy? Um, well, <laughs> the biggest one for me is pretty weird. Really? Uh, yeah, I've told you about Alpha Stem. What's it? Alpha Stem. Alpha oh, yeah. Stem. Yeah. No, I haven't. So I thought you were going to say women who run with wolves. <laughs> oh well, okay. Scratch that. <laughs> Women who run with wolves. Um, K- Karen read that yeah. pieces of it on Kate's read it. Uh, yeah. some of your. I maybe I haven't gotten to Kate yet. Um, yeah. Phenomenal book. Every every man should read it. Every woman should read I it. I want to read it. It's every human should read it. Every human should read it, and it's just um, it talks about the feminine psyche in a way that um, I had never experienced before. And it's an it's an old book. Like this is one of the early feminist books, mm-hmm. and it's beautifully written. It's um, it's written by a woman who was a therapist. She was also like to study uh, uh, fairy tales and folk stories, and yeah. then um, she kind of mixed the two. So she would find these stories, tell them in this beautiful way, and then break that down and show you that this the story of the feminine psyche. Mm-hmm. So if you've heard of the hero's journey. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's similar to that, but, um, I don't, I haven't read Hero's Journey, but it's like, it's, it's sort of that same kind of idea of like Mm -hmm. cyclical, um, Well, it's also, it's also in the tarot deck, right? The Hero's Journey is the major arcana. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's everything that you go through, right? Right. It's all the stages of becoming your own hero, your own savior, right? So there's that. Um, alpha stem is. Are you saying stem? Stem. Stem. Alpha dash S T I M. Okay. So alpha stem. So it has to do with brainwaves. It has to do with brainwaves. Oh. It has to do with brainwaves. It has to do with brainwaves. <laughs> okay, tell me more about the brainwaves. Okay, the brainwaves. <laughs> there's about four major brainwaves. There's delta, theta, alpha, beta. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> break out of the accent because I can't keep it up. So. Long story short, um, therapy led it at some point into sobriety for me. 
Um, Mm -hmm. I was sober for two, three years, exclusively sober. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I got pregnant. I had my daughter, and I don't know if, like, the hormones just came all together (laughs) at the perfect time to create a caudic mess. I don't know if it was some postpartum depression or just kind of all the above. So I I sort of had... um, I reached this breaking point. I didn't. I no longer had. I was a smoker for five years. I no longer had cigarettes. I no longer had alcohol. All my crutches that had been used to kind of deal with this like contained self, I no longer had. And I was just. I felt like I was an engine just running on overdrive, like a train that just couldn't slow down. Yeah. Um. So at some point in therapy, my therapist was like, and. It ta- I, I've also always, teachers have always told me that, oh, I think you might be ADD. So um, my therapist, a series of events led up to this moment. He's like, yeah, hey, let's re- reevaluate. I took some tests. I eventually, we kind of narrowed it down. He's like, okay, you might be bipolarish. You mm-hmm. might be ADD. You might have anxiety and depression. I'm not sure. And the problem is if you're on the anxiety side or um, bipolar side, we treat it one way. And if you're ADD, we treat it a completely different way. Mm. And if those are reversed, your symptoms are going to get worse. Mm. Um, if, so we, if you get the treatment If you get wrong. the treatment reversed. So if I'm ADD but I get treated for bipolar, my ADD is right. going to get worse. Yeah. But you're so in the middle between them that it's hard to distinguish. Right, because some of the symptoms of ADD and bipolar actually look a lot alike. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So um, what we did was if neurofeedback. Um, so this is a form of therapy that is sort of like, I don't understand all the science behind it, but it's like a retraining of brain waves. So your brain kind of becomes dependent on the pathways that it's used to using, mm-hmm. um, sometimes negative anxiety, whatever the, the, the shit is in your brain. Yeah. And n- neurofeedback retrains those brains and helps you start using different pathways. So... I did a brain map, and it was, like I said, all my life, people have told me, you're ADD, we think you might be ADD, and it, very definitively, I am not ADD. Yeah. Um, I have anxiety, a mix of anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. um, could be on that bipolar scale, but v- very low, uh, called like cyclothymia, cyclothymia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Well, I studied psych. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like a diet bipolar disorder. Your highs are not as high, your lows are not as low. Okay. But it's like you have this cyclical um, emotional going back and forth. So my therapist um, recommended something called to me called alpha stim. So you can do neurofeedback, but it's like you got to do a lot of it. It's not covered under most insurances. Mm-hmm. Insurances. It's <laughs> plans, yeah. Uh, it's very expensive. Yeah. So difficult. But he's like, in your case, you don't really need that because there's this thing called alpha stim. So very briefly, there are four major, the four to five major brain waves that your brain has. So we're going to go from bottom to po- top. It's delta, theta, alpha, beta. Delta, you're asleep or brain dead essentially. Mm. Um, delta theta is normal sleep. Uh, alpha is relaxed. That's what you're experiencing. Like if you're high, mm. um, if you're exercising or if you're meditating, those are alpha waves. Oh. Um, beta is focused. So my brain has too much beta. I'm, I can't shut down. Interesting. Um, so 
Can I pause you? Where's sex? Yeah. Where's sex? In those waves. <laughs> I would Im- imagine alpha. Yeah, right? Okay, that's, that's what, what I would I think. Because yeah. exercises, yeah. alpha. And it's also kind of a meditative thing. Yeah. Or candy. Anyways. So I mean, alpha, There's definitely a lot you're not thinking about when you're right. <laughs> having sex. So, yeah. Right. So then theta, theta is associated right. with depression. <laughs> alpha or beta is associated with anxiety. I have too much beta, too much theta. Not enough alpha. Huh. So to treat my high brain waves, mm-hmm. I need to pull it down into alpha. Uh-huh. To treat my low brain wave theta depression, I need to bring it up to mm-hmm. alpha. Okay. So alpha stim is a little device. It's probably about $900. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. I thought you were, the alpha yeah. stim was the name of a book you were recommending. And now, no. Now it's little electrodes that I stick to my ear. Yeah. I do it for about an hour every day if I can. And um, it's it's a really strange. Uh, you can try it. I have it, it with me. It feels like meditating. Um, I did it once with you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think Clark was a little bit like, "This feels like cheating." Because he uh, yeah, worked very and I hard. refer to it as the Damon box. The Damon box. The, the Damon box. It's the cheating Damon box. <laughs> Gets you out meditating, but you're actually still meditating while you're doing it. So it's yeah. kind of like actually just double dose, and it's an effective treatment. Yeah, oh. when if you use the the alpha stem, your brain and they did a brain map of you. Your brain would mimic what you see in like very experienced Buddhist monks when they meditate. Right. So it's um, yeah. I'm only just recently reopening the idea of, of bringing meditation back into my life because I, I mean, mm. med- I, I was never a meditator, but I was a prayer and I was a yeah. day and night. Like quiet time, <laughs> quiet time was very important to me. Mm-hmm. Which if you think about it, that was Jesus. probably alpha waves. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. So I've you know I've I've recently started that some taking taking steps i'm not like doing anything daily yet, sure but that's interesting yeah so that's a little box and i i would say that more than anything else changed my life huh. um for the first time in my life i felt like my emotions weren't running me anymore wow yeah wow um, that must be yeah, and it's something I have to keep up, and I can feel when I don't do it. I kind of slip back into it, but mm-hmm. it's a game changer. Hmm. So if you have a therapist, um, just mention it to your therapist. Uh, they, they'll need to give you like a signed form if you're interested. Go on to alphastim.com, alpha-stim.com, and uh, they can g- do a, a form to say that, yeah, I, I authorize them to purchase this, and then you can purchase it. Um, hmm. So it's it's an, it's strange sensation. I mean, it's a little bit like smoking weed. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I def- I would love to try it if we can. But not there. quite so intense. Yeah. Um, and then it seems to stop when you're done, right? Yeah. It's like as soon as you take those electrodes off, you're good. Her. Yeah. It puts you back in your. Huh. But it's different from neurofeedback. Yeah. It's it's. In the family of neurofeedback, feedback, okay. but neurofeedback is specialized. Like, I, if I'm doing neurofeedback for, with you, it's for your brain, and we are working on what's going on in your alpha brain. stem. Is kind of just general alpha stem. You're getting more alpha waves alpha across waves, the board. Alpha hmm. stems. So if alpha waves are not what you need, that, yeah, that's not. So that's not a, yeah, it might know. not help someone so much if they had ADD, mm-hmm. because I mean, ADD, you actually have too much alpha. Hmm. Interesting. Or too much theta, I think. You can't, you, essentially, someone with ADD's brain is not fully awake. Hmm. So they actually need more of that beta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. It's super fun. 
No, we're gonna get a little whole science, science lesson. Yeah, today. well, there's this that's is great. There's, I love it. That level. No, no, this is yeah. uh, this is awesome because I mean everybody kind of brings in their story to heathen. They bring the things mm-hmm. that, that, that their coping mechanisms, their paths to recovery, the things that they have done and found to be helpful. So it's great yeah. to hear. Always hear those. Um, can we talk? Oh, sorry, Amy. Uh, also, if you're interested in um, guided meditation, Tara Brock. Tara Brock. Yeah, if you just search for her name, mm-hmm. uh, she does free meditations. YouTube. Give her a donation. No, it's she has a website, okay. and, and you can just you can listen to her guided meditations, and she's excellent. Yeah, I have friends who use this app too. Uh, what is that? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, maybe I'll try to Google it while I talk. But there's there's an app that a lot of my friends are swearing by right now that I for meditation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably it's, Insight Meditation. It's a guided meditation app. Yeah, um, it's probably Insight, but I, I couldn't guarantee it. Um, Anyway, Clark, this morning you were talking about circling, which was an interesting... Yeah, so, I mean... Head, sorry, Headspace is the name of this app. Oh, okay. So I, have, I, I can't say anything about it other than I know what it is, because I know yeah. people use it. So. And along with Headspace, I could recommend Insight Meditation as well. It has, has follow-along meditations. But now, uh, circling is something I'm doing now, because I, I stopped being part of my DBT group... Um, because of schedule conflicts. And circling is a practice that started in Berkeley, California. And that's the state we're in. It happens to be. (laughs) And um, yeah, I mean, it's basically an authentic relating practice. So I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. You just maybe try to let's let's explain it the goal is to get a bigger picture of somebody's world um or if you are the person that is trying to be got by others it's trying to learn how to open your world up to others Hmm. and um it's it's to give it a quick synopsis it breaks down that process and little little steps that make it a little more safer and open up a container for that process to be I don't know, more comfortable because it's intense. Um, it's just intense. It's intense to be known and to try yeah. to know. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it physically look like though? You explain this. So physically so. what it looks like, like when you're in the room, what, ha- what's happening? Um, so the practice of circling or the, the lead up, I guess I didn't realize there were two. Parts. Yeah. You, pretty much every part sort of a circle sesh kind of leads up to circling and so you'll break up into these little groups um where you might practice the like the four basic steps or something like that which i couldn't actually name because i'm not i'm not being trained or anything but um you you would go through like the noticing statements and you would say things that you notice and then you might notice things about the person in front of you mm-hmm. and then you might add a new element and the person in front of you responds you say i notice blank and then they respond with well hearing you say that i'm like well why are you noticing this mm-hmm. and then you notice something else and the you, you get a little bit deeper and to the point where you're asking questions uh called deepening questions so where in the small group is there one person who is being asked all these questions by the others or is it just ask it whoever? depends it, two two groups of two groups of three oh, I see. That's right small. there's different exercises there's so many um so but this I, is kind of a so i would look at you and i would say i like i notice that your eyes are you know like you, you're looking away from me you're not making eyes contact like right that kind of thing i mean I, that's not what you're doing yeah right now. you're actually making very good eye contact with you right now <laughs> but so so you could say, I notice, I notice that, and yeah. that could be it, and then I notice something. Okay. So it's just the idea of getting yourself more comfortable with 
saying out loud something that's on your head that maybe you wouldn't normally say in a triangulated right. conversation. Okay. So circling is about de-triangulating conversation. Mm. Right now we're talking about circling. To actually be doing circling would be like, I'm noticing you're touching your lip right now, and I'm wondering if you're really, really interested in what I'm saying. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> right. So I that, didn't even notice I was touching my lip. Right. That completely de-triangulated. It, it made it about you and me. Hmm. Directly, okay. not about something in between us. Right on, yeah. So immediate relationship. Ooh. Um, I think I might like this. It's really fun. It can be hard because when you get that kind of attention on you, it's just like, oh shit, stuff's coming up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will use it to work on their shit and yeah. and to try to grow. And that's a complicated process because circling is not necessarily about being better or getting better. It's mm-hmm. it's about being with what is. So um, fixing people or fixing yourself is discouraged. Hmm. That is okay to do, but not in that it's discouraged in circling. It's like, well, take what you learn. And if you want to fix things, yeah, go for it. And you can brainstorm. But right now we just want to be with it Yeah, because it's not about fixing. It's about relating. And we want to be with whoever is in front of us with wherever they are. Hmm. And when you start to fix, you stop being with the person. I love it. Right. Yeah. It hmm. really ties into a lot of the things I'm, like yoga and yeah, just yeah, meditative practice right now that I'm that I'm things I'm doing right now. So that's the lead up. Mm-hmm. What is the actual so the actual circling, circling process like lasts like? 30, 45 minutes per person uh-huh. and um, everybody, you know, the big group comes together and however you figure out who wants to be circled, there's mm-hmm. different processes to do that, but somebody will be circled. And like physically, people make a physical circle around this person. No, uh, everybody's in the same circle, but uh, the circle is focused on them. So that's why oh, we I call see, it circling see, see. that every, person, okay. right? Are you seated? Are you holding yeah, hands? Yeah, I mean, usually seated on the floor. Okay. I mean, yeah, ho- however you need to be seated. And um, you, we, the group usually gets started out with a meditation led by the facilitator mm-hmm. just to kind of focus in on the individual so everybody kind of closes their eyes and they check in with themselves Mm -hmm. because a big part one of the actually one of the exercises leading up to circling is checking with yourself focusing on who you are where you are because you can't relate without you you have to have you as part of their the process so the meditation is just to kind of set that tone and then you begin and the facilitator just kind of watches the person and everybody's kind of looking at you and it's a little weird and awkward and finally the facilitator asks what what's they're, what they're curious about you know like usually the leading question is what's it like to have everyone staring at you right now and yeah. and mm-hmm. everybody feels differently about that at, mm-hmm. at any given time um, and for me it feels positive usually but it always leads to mm-hmm. this spot where for me um, lead, the leading questions kind of go and and everybody's like really interested in hearing what I have to say because I can be clever sometimes <laughs> and then the facilitator will often be like I just want to call out something right now I'm not feeling you anymore and this is like a run in with me like I'm not feeling you anymore I'm like oh shit I don't feel you either and it just like really shuts me down mm. right? and I feel disconnected and I'm aware that I feel disconnected right and I'm like, huh, I'm just talking a lot. So for me, circling has slowly over like several months recently evolved into this process of me looking, naming the fact that I have trauma, naming the fact that I detach, and recognizing that 
I don't like that and that I'm uncomfortable with that and that people still want to relate with me and that people aren't mm. shaming me for not being present when they're talking to me mm. and that there's all this room for acceptance for me. Um, so it's, it's inadvertently become a part of the process of my healing, my trauma, but that's not really the goal of it. You know, it's just so many things get spun into the circle and, yeah. and you talk about it because it's what's alive in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. I'm seriously just in awe of both of you. This is amazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're in awe of you too. <laughs> All I do is record. I, I sit here and I like blah, word vomit my shit out. Yeah. And let it, this, this, this podcast is, is on my list. <laughs> All I am is really awesome. You're never uh, gonna see it when you're doing it. This maybe is not, huge. maybe not. Maybe not. It's after. It's funny. This is my thing. This is the thing that has changed so much of my life. Mm-hmm. Just having the, like being open in the conversations, like, mm-hmm. and really for, putting myself in a place where I have to have them. <laughs> like now, you know, there's there's. It's small, but there's a heathen audience. There's people who look forward to weekly episodes. And um, so I've, I've put myself in this place where I'm, like, responsible to this thing. And I like it. You know, I like having that uh, responsibility. And then, But then usually about halfway through most of the conversations I have, I find myself in a place of vulnerability that I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we're touching on this thing. And yeah. it, it, so it's a very consistent way that I am connecting with, my past, um, and, and looking at where I want to go in the future. So it's, that's, what's impressive about you is how quickly you took your vulnerability public and like made a community, made a community for it. Like you're doing therapy on a podcast. Unlicensed therapy. conversation a long weekend the conversation has actually happened kind of over the course of the weekend we've come we keep coming back actually to the microphones so we're here to close everything out because amy you fly out super early tomorrow yes do (laughs) (laughs) yes yes i do um (laughs) and uh it should be a in there that's right that's yeah that's my normal (laughs) response Oh, my goodness. Um, we've also gone to church together <laughs> since the last time we, since since the other parts of this conversation. Um, so that was fun and interesting. And Clark, mm-hmm. you might you might have had some time to process uh, what happened in that, you know, you learned something new about uh, what, ha- you know, something very important that happened to you and mom's response to that. So... Um, I think we want to just kind of wrap, wrap up the conversation by talking about like where we are now, what, where we've landed at this point in our lives, because we know things will always change, but kind of where we're at right now and um, just give some space to respond to any of those other things that have 
happened. So, who wants to go first? <laughs> well, I do love the sounds of my beautiful voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the floor is yours, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what? Where did I end up? God. Um, for a while there, I really like landed on being pagan and identifying with paganism. I read a lot of books and mostly just tried to incorporate them into my life because I wanted something. I wanted something that would work um, and make sense and include me in a group of people. And the more that I searched into it, the more I just kind of felt fake doing it. And that tends to be the theme that comes up for me anytime I look into something spiritual um, with the added component of community, spiritual community. And that, that's been hard for me. It tends to be something that pops up naturally um, when, when it's right and when it feels authentic and real. And it's just, you know, the right mesh of people and the right group of people. There was a time period where I was an aspiring astrologer and I had like four or five other friends who were learning about astrology at the same time and they would come to me and I would teach them about it. And we devolved slowly into this group where it was just like a astrological therapy where we were like, look, I'm looking at this, you know, Pluto and Uranus transit going on in my chart. And it means all these things to me and how I'm interpreting it is I've got to get my fucking act together. And then other people can like hear you say that out loud and be a sounding board for you. So it's like, well, actually I think you're like being overly critical or like, did you think about this component with this planet and blah, blah, blah. And it just allowed self work to be abstracted enough with the element of community. It worked really great. It mm. fell apart because everybody moved away at one time. Mm. And it was sad and heartbreaking. And and it was also an important step for me to move out of kind of using something external to reflect myself back on. So most of my current spiritual work is looking inward and just finding what lessons there are. Um, and I find that the less that is an outward process, the better for me. Hmm. Um, what does that mean, less? So, so like church is someone preaching at me, right? Um, and that's more of an outward process to me and more of an inward process would be like, oh, I'm having a conversation that's deep with a friend of mine and we're not talking about anything spiritual, but I'm hearing a lot of messages, right? Right. That Mm. kind of thing because it's me doing it and I can see me behind the process. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's. I don't know that there's anything that's wholly external or wholly internal, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I try to aim more for internal processing because I I think that's what I need to work on right now. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's private. It's in my home at my altar where I still do some pagan rituals like candles, makeup prayers. Um, and sometimes just kind of call bullshit to the sky where I'm just like, I don't fucking believe in you. I don't know what the fuck you are, what you want. <laughs> and and I feel whole sometimes when I do that because, yeah. like, even as I say that, I can feel acceptance. Either it's coming from me or someone that I've loved in the past or from the universe itself, mm. uh, whatever I feel in that moment. So it's, it's all very vague, but the most important component of it is that it's um, internal mm. and kind of private. Does the word intuition 
mean anything to you right now? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say so. It's really big. <laughs> <laughs> so really, really big word. It is for me, too, which is why <laughs> I bring it up. I, I love... Uh, there's a lot to unpack in the word. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's replacing so much, like, Holy Spirit. Anytime I think Holy Spirit or would have thought Holy Spirit, I'm like, intuition. It's a typically feminine word. It totally is. Intuition is? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I guess it kind of is, isn't it? At least it's in our culture. It tends to be associated yeah. with feminine. Yeah. Like, like the well, feminine we, we divine. Even say, we even say she used her uh, mother's intuition, right? Women's yeah. intuition. Uh-huh. Women's intuition, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's both both terms. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Those are phrases. Okay. Hmm. Well, I love it. Yeah. 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 Trying That's... to piece it all together, I guess. It's really great. Would you, if if you're, if all the people, uh, your astrology community hadn't all kind of moved away at the same time, do you think that would still be a real key component, or is that the only reason that that went away? Well, it's not the only reason. How interesting for you to ask that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I've struck gold, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sort of. You you struck some trauma. Struck something. Oh, okay. Well, that happened. Back so, to trauma. Back to trauma. Yay. Just a short story to kind of synopsify it. Like, I had... Synopsify it. I had <laughs> just been basically touched inappropriately by a guy that was teaching me... Oh, um, oh What is acutonics? Acutonics is, like, it's totally woo-woo, but I love it. It's acupuncture with tuning forks instead of needles. Oh, I right. remember when you I were into that. I remember this too. Yeah, yeah. So the guy that was teaching me touched and me appropriately I, I and it you... just cut the cord. Yeah. It was a, it was a lot for me at the time. Yeah. Um, because of the, mostly just because of the confrontation, which was all through email, trying to like work it out and it didn't work out. And so I cut that and when I cut that, I was like, you know what? I need to take a break from people who are like mostly spiritual in their in their expression of their identity. I need mm. a break from that and, mm. I, and I need to not be involved in that community. So it ended up being, and this was like a couple months after everybody had moved away. So I, of course, maintained like the depth of conversation with my friends about what's really going on. But um, I kind of let go of the whole like outward intuition, hippie dippy yeah. stuff. And I call it hippy dippy because in that interim, I have um, kind of reacclimated myself to my inner cynic and my inner critic. And now I'm like a little more balanced, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm totally a hippy dippy, but I'm also a cynic. So there's, yeah, there's all of that. Yeah, you are very much both of those yeah. things. You're right. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Because, yeah, because yeah, I, can, I can see the arcs too. Like in, mm-hmm. in just in, in history, you mean? Yeah, in your history yeah. and what I've known of your history, um, I've seen that that's that pendulum swing. Totally, and then kind of land here and more in the middle. That's, Hopefully, so. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's it. That's where I'm at. More or less. The fart of finale. <laughs> <laughs> what it accumulates uh-huh. <laughs> and there we go folks it all ended with us. <laughs> I love it yeah well sister where you at yo. so where I landed at so you know I I said earlier or yesterday the day before whenever it was that I um, identify as an atheist and that's still true um, but I do get to just like adjust that a little bit because, um, just 
more recently, um, after a lot of therapy, because I told you I was an angry atheist and then I became a broken atheist, where my anger kind of became this thing that that I slowly let go of. And um, um, so anyway, uh, reading a lot of things, Carl Jung to be was one of the big ones that sort of like started giving me this perspective, Women Who Run With Wolves. I love Carl Jung. Um, that I started to identify. So I don't believe in a God out there universe, mm-hmm. but I do believe in a God in here, and I'm pointing to my mind or mm. my head. Mm. So um, I believe that uh, there's an aspect of all of us, our own psychological makeup, that is... Um, the God archetype and that it's the part of ourselves that we are most disconnected from. And it is the part of ourselves that often our upbringing or religion or society tries to tell us to stay away from. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the thing we fear um, in ourselves. And I think that's why it's different for everybody. And so Ultimately, what I what I believe about the human psychological makeup, makeup is that each of us have this different aspect of the God archetype in our psychological makeup that we are searching to connect with. So for some of you out there in podcast land, that's Jesus. Mm. And that's the archetype of your psyche. And it's okay if that's what you reconnect with after all your doubt and all your struggle. Um and I, th- and I think that's why God is different for everybody is because mm. what you fear and what you connect with is different than what I fear and what I need to connect with. So for me mm. personally, it was, um, you know, I was this tomboy growing up, very much lived in the patriarchy. Um, but when I started exploring um, the divine feminine, women who run with wolves, I knew her the moment I saw her, you know. Um, I'm so curious. She, she was the aspect of my psychological makeup that I was like, you are, you, you're what I've been missing. You've been what I'm needing to the, to the extent that I did some, um, sort of guided meditations where you, where I just kind of imagined that I was meeting that God of my psyche to see what they were. And, um, I, I, it, every time I've done that, it's been a very intense and awesome experience. And uh, I mean, to the extent that one time I was literally just laying on my bed in the fetal position, crying mm. and just saying, "Oh, mama, mama, mama." Wow. Yeah, um, which is was so strange for me. Yeah, because I felt I I would have always thought I was disconnected, but that from that but that was the thing I was fighting my whole life was my femininity because the patriarchy told me that that was really a disappointing thing about me you know and so Mm. um, I think that all started when I was pregnant Um, going through labor and birthing my daughter was one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had and um, Mm. following that realizing I had to raise a daughter and I had no idea how to raise a young woman um, coming from the upbringing we came from. And so uh, <laughs> through all that, like, I found her. And that's the aspect of um, my, 
that's the archetype in my psychology that I needed. Yeah. And that's the God. That's my God. And I think we each have that. And yeah. it, it's going to be so different for each person. And I think it's the thing you fear. It's, it's, I think it's the thing you fight. I just love hearing you say that because hearing you talk about yours, I feel such reverence. Mm. And this isn't, I'm, you're not talking about mine, you know, but just mm-hmm. I have so much reverence for yours and it, it really feels potent in this yeah. moment to me. Potent yeah. and spiritual to me in this moment. Which is why I was so disappointed when I got voted least femme of the three of us. <laughs> that happened over the weekend. I think I win still. I mean, I'm, I will gladly give Go it to you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I probably don't win. It's actually, it's actually true because I'm, I'm in this phase of wanting to uncover masculinity in my life because I, mm. I never had positive. Ex- I mean, I had very few, very few positive examples of masculinity yeah. that was not toxic. Um, so that's the thing I'm reclaiming now. But yeah, so maybe I think you win, I, maybe you win the feminine award. I think I have <laughs> another archetype that's like the wounded masculine yeah. in in my psychological makeup that I have no idea yet even how to reconnect with that because that's it's kind of mm. crazy to nurture. And I think we all have that. I got all kinds of imagery when I started nurturing that of like the woman in me burying the dead like old decrepit man oh, in wow. me and then like bringing up a baby it was this crazy imagery that I did on meditation yeah there's and shit like that like it was just like okay what is this I'm a I'm an immature brat again mm-hmm. what yeah mm-hmm. and I kind of yeah. I had similar <laughs> similar things definitely a baby resurrected really a, a golem like character Ugh, down in yeah, the cave totally. that was my wounded masculine. toxic masculinity is pretty gross looking in, in, in yeah. metaphorical terms so yeah uh, guided meditation is fun <laughs> and really intense emotionally if you if you get there yeah Damn. fun fun so I, like once again i'm just uh <laughs> i'm just i don't know i'm freaking in awe of the people i get to call my siblings i don't even know oh well, so are we no, I, I it's, it's I'm totally serious. True. I'm serious right now. Like it it's just What and we aren't? The work that I'm sure you are, I'm sure you are. I just don't <laughs> really feel like compelled to, you mm. know, uh, reflect back. I'm just saying yeah. I'm I'm the work you guys have each done is I just it's just stuff I <laughs> I'm only just starting to think to do, you know, like I'm brand new to meditation, like brand freaking new to meditation and 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 so many so many of the other things that we've talked about, I'm just it's, I'm just so impressed at how quickly not how quickly because mm. whatever everybody has mm. their own time. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not making it's this is not a judgment statement. I'm just genuinely um, I'm 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 touched and I'm impressed and I'm uh, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool to hear what you guys. It's cool to hear what you guys have done and what you've gone through because it's, um, you know, it opens doors for me. I think it's going to open doors for people who listen to this to know, um, the vast array of of methods and means and options available to them as they peel back, pull away, and then you know look for themselves mm-hmm. for what's really there. Um, so where did you land? Because <laughs> I'm sure your podcast land is interested in that. Um, yeah, I, uh, 
Well, we t- so we talked this morning a little bit after we, we did go to church. We went to Sojo, which is, you know, the, the community I'm a part of here in San Diego. Um, that Really stellar and welcoming, I would add. <laughs> yep. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I had a lot of anxiety, I think, about bringing my atheist sister and my, you know, queer magic, like... <laughs> um, queer magic. Uh, you, know, well, you know, just to, to encompass all of the things, Clark, because there's not really one way to... You need, a, you need one of those German words like we've had for, like, for Kong and Heizbefeldtagung that like to encompass everything that you've... Every yeah. person you've ever met, oh my God. Yeah, so um, anyway... Um, you know, I, I, I had some anxiety there. I decided to let it go in the middle of it, kind of reclaim that this is my space. This is the thing I do. This is my community. I do it for myself. Like, it's good for me. And I don't have to justify that or expect that anybody else is going to get the same things out of it. So mm. um, I, that was that all happened, like, during the space of, uh, you know, this, the music and message that we heard this morning. And, yeah, I guess I just realized that I do, like connection and community are are vital just yeah. absolutely vital to other people uh yep. for me in my process it's why i started a podcast where i'm talking to people yeah. every week yeah. it's why i spend you know so much time just having these conversations in general over the years like it's I, i've always done this sort of thing just poked and prodded at other people like what are you doing what are you doing what's how, how did you figure out this part of your life so um for me to have a community where i can do that um, and still, there, for me, there is this thing to experience, and I don't know what to call it. Um, I, I landed on the term spiritual humanism a couple episodes ago. Um, yeah. That's a thing that I like makes sense to me if just because I understand the construct of secular humanism. But I, I not I I don't like the word atheist. That's I don't mm. that yeah. doesn't that doesn't work for me. Um, but also, I have a lot of disbelief in. Like, like exactly what you said, Amy, a, a thing out there, an entity out there, a consciousness that directs or compels or created anything here. Like, I don't, I, I disbelieve in that. Yeah. Um, but I, you pointed to your mind when you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I do believe in something in here. And for me, it, I, 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 my finger wants to go to my heart or my gut. Gut. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so again, internal intuition, Clark, everything you were saying, like I, I, I'm vibing with so much of what y'all are saying about Mm, your own, where you've landed. It's just for me, um, I, I found a place, a very rare place that I can do that in a community that is still Christian. You know, it still is a San Diego's progressive Christian church is their tagline, Mm -hmm. um, without me having to be a Christian or take any on, take on any of those labels. So I'm just lucky in that way. Like, I think if I didn't have a Sojo, um, I would be doing all of this in whatever community I could, you know, cobble together, AKA yeah. like putting yeah. together a podcast, Make, <laughs> making one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making it up as I go. Yep. So, so important. Yeah. This is, um, wild. <laughs> it's, it's also wild that like, I don't know, an hour ago I was like high and drunk and loopy playing <laughs> a, a card game with all of our friends in this room. And now here we are like coming to the truest <laughs> essence of like, all of, all of our you know shared history and like where we are right now. That's just really cool that that can all happen with. It's the always same right space. beneath the, the surface yeah, for us. Right there, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is with this with the three of us. Man, it just <laughs> we can't not talk about this shit. Mm-hmm. I think about 
Clark, your boyfriend, uh, Jesse, has been, uh, and we can cut this out if you don't want me to mention him, but he's been here uh, on this trip with us. And I, I just think about all the times he's been sitting in the car with us or whatever, and, we're just, and we just go to town on you know, <laughs> yeah. existential conversation. And, mm-hmm. It keeps up. Yeah, he sure does. Yeah. He does. He has to. I'm getting ready to go back to school for philosophy, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There good, you luck, go. good luck. I didn't good luck know him. you were going back for philosophy. It's just the fastest route out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even in, and I want out. <laughs> I already have the most credits in it. All right. So, All right. Yeah. Hey, Path of Least Resistance is fine. Um, is there anything else before we bid farewell, say adieu to this fabulous conversation that I'm so excited to... just want to say I love you, Mom. Mm, yeah. I didn't know you were my ally. Mm. I feel like I'm going to be processing that for so long. Yeah. Like, uh, like I was talking to Jesse, I don't know how many moments ago that was, a day, <laughs> and just realizing out loud that it's it's there's so much of my personality that is built on pain and rejection. And when I find out that something's good that I thought wasn't good, I have to realize what that means that I, I'm going to change. And for one of the first times in my life, I like who I am. Mm. And I'm a little scared. Like, of course it's going to be a good change. <laughs> but, like... Little things are just going to be evolving, I think, from that one little piece of information that, yeah. that yeah. mom was my ally when I didn't realize it, you know. And and I'm like, wow, I am... I, in the Gay Men's Choir that I'm a part of, we just sang uh, the song Testimony in our 20th anniversary concert. And um, in it, the big peak of the piece is, like, I was more loved than I dared to know. Because the whole song is about suicide. Because when you're gay and you're Christian, you're just like, well... I might as well die, right? Or why can't God kill me? The The, the whole song is just depressing, right? Right. And then this big peak in the song is like, I was more loved than I dared to know. And like, Mm. it's really amazing to feel the way that I felt in that song, like, and to just be reaching in the darkness in those moments when I was performing that song, like, I'm sure people loved me more than I knew. And then to hear this in this moment and be like, ah, they really did. Wow. Yeah, she really did. And I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> I I might be becoming a person with more capacity to love, and that's really terrifying. Period. <laughs> yeah. I was more loved than I dared to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you may have just titled the episode, actually. Thank you for the closing noises there, bro. <laughs> Any other mouth noises we want to get out, you guys? Any others? <laughs> um, this has been great. Thank you both for doing this. I love you both. I Thank you for you doing this. Yeah. I think you're doing... You're a part of our community. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is a big deal. It matters. Totally. Yay. All right, heathens. May you uh, come to know that you are more loved than you dare to know. Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com 
slash heathen podcast. Well, thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content, which you know is going to be freaking awesome. Wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality, spiritual godlessness, or anywhere in between, you're not alone. We're glad you're here. Here's to the heathens. Thank you.